We have a meditation this morning to prepare our hearts for the taking of communion. We have been centering on the one another passages of the Word of God, and there are two one another passages that center on communion. The first we looked at the last time we took communion, and that is that we are to wait for one another. This morning we look at the passage that teaches us that we are to wash one another's feet. The key verse is John thirteen fourteen. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Jesus asks a question of his disciples. Notice verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? Do you understand what I have done to you? Well, what had Jesus done? Primarily, what he had done was wash the disciples' feet, verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed to his place. But Jesus wants them to understand that there is something more going on here than merely having washed their feet. We need to understand the culture, the period of time in which this is taking place. It was commonplace for people to have their feet washed when coming in out of, the, out of doors and were going to eat a meal. So this is not unique to the Passover. This is not unique to communion. This would have been a normal circumstance and having eaten of any meal. But it's going to take on a unique role. Feet would be caked with dirt. They'd be sweaty, stinky. It was practical to wash one another's feet. The role of foot washer would have been reserved for a servant if the household had a servant. And if they didn't, it would then be the role of a small child. It was a a humiliating task to go around and to wash the feet of all the guests. When the disciples had gathered for the Passover meal, there was no servant there, and there was no child. So who was going to perform this humiliating task of washing the feet of the others? They have been gathered together. No one has volunteered. No one has come forth. So Jesus would wash their feet instead. Now, notice John 13, 3 and following. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Peter, of course, is amazed that Jesus would wash his, that is, Peter's feet. He doesn't understand, and he's shocked and amazed by what Jesus is doing. 
Jesus says in verse 7, Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. The foot washing was a symbolic act. It was symbolic. It would not make them clean. He says one of them is is eating, one of them is having their foot washed, but they are not clean, referring to Judas Iscariot. So it was symbolic. But what was it symbolic of? What were they to learn from Jesus' having washed their feet? What is the significance? Do you understand, he asks, what have I done to you? And we need to ask ourselves, do we understand what Jesus did when he washed the disciples' feet? So what is the significance? First, the first significance is that Jesus occupies a unique position of authority over his disciples. Notice verse 13. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. Jesus is the dispenser of truth. So he's referred to as teacher. Jesus is master over his disciples. So he's referred to as Lord. Do they really get at this point that he is the son of God? Do they understand that he is the creator of the heavens and the earth? We would hope so. But at least they recognize the fact that he is their master. So Jesus states that the disciples are correct in what they assert about him. Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord and you are right, for so I am. You are right, that's who I am. Number two, the significance is that even though Jesus occupies a place of authority over his disciples, he stoops or humbles himself to wash their feet. The point is that Jesus occupies a position of great authority over his disciples. Notice verse 14. If I then, your Lord and teacher. Jesus reverses the order. He said, you say I am teacher and Lord. They seem to put more emphasis on the fact that he's teacher. And secondarily, that he's master. He puts the emphasis on the fact that he is the master and that he is teacher. And he says, if I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. The question is, how should a person of authority act towards those under their authority? The example of Jesus is one of how we're to treat one another. We're to interact with one another in a humble way. For he says in verse 15, I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. We are not merely to proclaim Christ's word. We are also to duplicate his example. Jesus was both teacher and master. We have the responsibility of being teachers and masters in the sense of ruling over others, in the sense of having places of authority. Remember that Jesus is dealing with the apostles. These are going to be the leaders of the church. 
They are going to be the ones that are going to be responsible for establishing elders. They are going to be used of God to write the New Testament books. They are going to be placed in positions of great authority to teach and to lead. And he says, I have given you an example. An example. Not merely of what to say, but how to live. Jesus says, the apostles do not occupy a position that is superior to Jesus. Notice verse 16. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. He's saying, you are not greater than I. A servant does not become greater than his master, and a messenger does not become greater than the one that sent them. Therefore, they are not greater than Jesus. Therefore, they should not act in a superior manner. If the apostles do not occupy a position superior to Jesus, then the apostles should not act in a manner superior to Jesus. In other words, if Jesus is willing to wash the feet of the apostles, then the apostles ought to be willing to wash the feet of each other. If Jesus is superior to them, and he's willing to become inferior and wash their feet, then how much more those who are inferior to Jesus ought to be willing to wash each other's feet? Now he says he's given this as an example. There are some churches that uh, practice feet washing in association with communion. Uh, That is part of our heritage, actually. There was a period of time in which we uh, practiced feet washing in association with communion as well. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. That certainly would be appropriate. That would be be fine to do. Uh, But what is Jesus establishing here is not so much an ordinance, but he is teaching us a lesson about humility that needs to be applied at all times. But notice the significance is that there is a blessedness in following Jesus' example. Verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. He starts off by saying, verse 17, if you know these things. These things are in the plural. What are the things in the passage? What are they to know? If you know these things. Well, let's start by looking at what the scripture says Jesus knew and had in mind when he washed the disciples' feet. What did Jesus know? What did Jesus have in mind? Well, Jesus knew what he was to do. Notice verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father... Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus knew that his hour had come. That meant the hour to die. Jesus knew the time of his crucifixion had come. Jesus knew that it was time for him to depart this world and go to the Father in order to make it possible for us to go to the Father. If I go... And prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He knew it was time for him to die. 
And he loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. Meaning, to the utmost, with the greatest intensity and permanency. He loved them to the very end. He loved these disciples, who, interestingly enough, not in our text, but in parallel passages, are sitting and arguing among themselves about who's going to be the greatest. But he loves them. Jesus knew what he was to do. Secondly, Jesus knew who he was. Verse 3. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he came from God and was going back to God. Jesus knew that he was the Son of God. Jesus knew that everything had been placed under his authority. Jesus later is going to say to the disciples after the resurrection, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. He knew that he ruled over all things. He knew that he was the Son of God. And Jesus knew what he was about. Verse 11. For he knew who was to betray him. He knew that Judas was going to sell Jesus for pieces of silver. He knew that Jesus would betray him. So he knew what the Father wanted him to do. He knew who he was, and he knew who would betray him. So now, in verse 17, he says, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Okay? So what do we need to know? We need to know who we are as children of the Son of God. What do we need to know? We need to know what we're about. We need to understand what God wants us to do. And we're to understand and know how to live that out in a practical way. The Romans prized virtues of strength and courage in their leaders. Verse 17. Blessed are you if you do them. We're not so different today than the Roman government of hundreds of years ago. Leadership, what's prized in leadership? Strength and courage. As we think about our leaders, as we think about those arising to power, as we think of the political era in which we live, I don't think we'd use humility to describe those that are seeking office. In fact, what they are most concerned is in showing forth a sense of strength, power. You can trust me. I will keep you safe. Jesus did not prize strength. Jesus prized humility. Jesus said, the meek shall inherit the earth. What distinguished Jesus and made him so unique was that he was the son of God and yet was willing to become a man in order to die on the cross. The humility of that is what is stressed 
in Philippians chapter 3. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, thought not robbery to be equal with God, but took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in the likeness of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So he humbled himself to die on the cross. This washing of their feet was a picture of the humility that was going to be manifested when he died on the cross on their behalf. That's why he says, if I don't wash you, then you have no part in me. You need me to cleanse you. You need me to wash away your sins. And so Peter says, not my feet only, but my whole body. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. All you have to do is wash your feet and you will be clean. But he said, but I don't speak of all of you. Because, of course, Judas Iscariot would bear his own sin. But notice this. Blessedness does not exist in merely copying Jesus' example. One must have a saving relationship to Christ. Jesus' words were directed to his true followers. Verse 18, I'm not speaking of all of you. Not all of you are going to be blessed in following my example. Jesus stresses that he understood what he was doing when he chose the apostles. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. I understand. I realize what's going on here. One whom Jesus chose would betray him. Notice verse 18. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. Jesus had purposefully chosen one who would betray him. The reason he did so, according to verse 18, was so the scripture would be fulfilled. It's a quotation of Psalm 41, verse 9. Psalm 149 states, Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Which is quoted in verse 18. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. The imagery of lifting up the heel is that of kicking of a mule. The kicking of a mule. The picture here is of a master and a mule. A mule should recognize their master. A mule should appreciate the fact that that they are fed. But sometimes a mule will kick at their master. The mule was a trusted animal. But nonetheless, sometimes a mule will act in an untoward way. Judas is a disciple. Judas is a friend. Judas had been with Jesus for three years, and yet Judas would betray Jesus. But that comes as no surprise to Jesus. Jesus knew when Jesus chose Judas to be a disciple that Judas would betray him. This is not a recent discovery on the part of Jesus. Jesus didn't come to understand over time that Judas was a traitor, that Judas would betray him. From the very moment that Jesus chose Judas, he understood what Judas would do. John 6, 67. 
So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of, the, of God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? When they said, do we not believe? Jesus said, well, I chose you all, but one of you is a devil. He knew that they didn't all believe. Jesus chose Judah to fulfill God's plan. Verse 18. But the scriptures will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. He chose Judas so that Judas would betray him. He chose Judas so that Jesus would go to the cross. This was all in keeping with the mind and will of God that was prophesied back in Psalm 41. Jesus wanted the disciples to know that he knew what, Jesus, what Judas would do. Verse 19, I'm telling this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. So that you will understand that I am the fulfillment of Psalm 41, verse 9. That you will understand that my death is purposeful. That you will understand that my death is by design. That you will understand that my death fulfills the scriptures. That you will understand that my death is under my control and that of the Father's. That you will understand these things. And that you will know That when I washed Judas's feet, I knew what he was about to do. It is one thing, it's mind-boggling, that the Son of God would stoop to wash the feet of the eleven. I mean... I don't know how we get our, our, our minds around who Jesus is. But somehow we need to. Somehow we have to humble. It's foolish to talk about humbling ourselves. I mean, it's as though as we're giving something up. I mean, he is almighty God. He is God and we are not. It is just mind-boggling that he would take upon himself humanity to die in our place. That's the ultimate sacrifice. It's mind-boggling that Jesus would wash the feet of the one that he knows is about to betray him. And yet, Jesus does. And he says to us that we are to follow his example. That we are to follow his example that we are to do what he does, that we are to live as he lives, that we aren't simply to proclaim the truth, but we're to live the truth, that we aren't simply to declare Jesus' message, but we are to manifest Jesus' life that it's important not only what we say, but it's important what we do. It's important not only what we speak, but it's important how we live. 
that we have the same attitude that Jesus has when we teach his word, when we proclaim his word. As we are placed in places of leadership and authority, it's important that we follow the example of the Lord Jesus in the way in which he exercised his authority, in the way in which he humbled himself, in the way in which he served not only the regenerate but the lost. The lost, even those that would betray him. Even those that would say and do evil things against them. He is preparing his disciples to go out and minister in a world where there are both disciples and there are enemies. And he teaches his disciples that he must treat both enemies and true followers with a spirit of love and compassion. Jesus had taught, love your enemies. Jesus demonstrated love even for Judas. Kindness, consideration, and washing his feet, even knowing that Judas would betray him. Jesus says in verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I would point to you the plural in 17 of both things and them. He doesn't give us one thing to do. That is namely feet washing. He expands and says, blessed are you if you understand these things, the full range of what is taking place. And then if you do these things, which is the full range of what is taking place. So he's saying to us, blessed are we if we understand first that we are the children of God. If we understand forgiveness of sins through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are a blessed people. If we understand why Jesus Christ died and rose again, and we trust in him as our Lord and Savior, to understand who we are. Secondly, to understand what we're about. Why did God place us on this earth to reach others and to glorify him. To proclaim the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and to live in such a way that we manifest the character and conduct of Jesus. That's what we're about. To share the message and to live a life that's consistent with the message to understand that we have a responsibility to certainly love our neighbor, but also to love our enemy, to wash one another's feet, as it were, to care for one another, to humble ourselves before one another. Blessed are you if you do them, if you do all these things. So conclusion... Jesus knew who he was. He was the son of God. Jesus knew what he was to do. That is to save a people. And Jesus knew what he was about. He lived his life knowledgeably to accomplish the will of the Father. If we really understand the gospel message, 
It should not produce arrogance. It should produce humility. A recognition that we are saved by grace. Not by anything that we have done, but only by what God has done for us. We have nothing to boast in. For we, we are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. We have nothing to be boasting. We have nothing to be proud about in being saved. We don't have the right to feel superior to one another. Jesus had the right to be superior. We don't. But he who had the right to be superior acted in an inferior way. If we are inferior, how much more should we be willing to act in an inferior way? How much more should we be willing to serve others? Not just believer, but even unbeliever. How much more should we be willing to be taken advantage of? How much more willing should we be to be meek? To not stand up for our rights, not to stand up for what we want, but to act as a servant. To humble ourselves, to be willing, yes, even to wash somebody's feet. But it goes far greater than that. Jesus is going to die on the cross. Just a moment, we are going to partake of communion. We are not going to be literally washing one another's feet this morning, but as we partake of communion, I'd like us to think about the importance of Humility in our relationship to one another. Uh, looking for opportunities that we might serve one another. Uh, ask the brethren to come forward at this time.